0: You want y'all to live like it ain't no tomorrow. Come on. We live life like it's the last day of school. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Penick. And we're finishing off the Giants off-season activities. Mandatory minicamp just wrapped up. We got Dan Duggan came on. We talked for about 40 to 45 minutes. Justin, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Bobby Skinner. I'm doing well. I'm going to see a Charlie Puth concert tonight. Do you know who that is? I think so, because didn't you go to a concert of that before? I went, so I actually won like... I got to see like a private screening or you know private like live show of like his new album that he played. So I won something like that, but I paid money for this. Okay, but I think I've heard that name and it was from you. So yeah, I'm excited. Radio City, my first time at Radio City Music
0: Hall. Bring the draft back to Radio City, by the way. Like, really, really should get bring that back to Radio City. I'll try and accomplish uh, that today. Before we get into this Duggan interview, I feel like I have to comment on this. I got so freaking triggered by our fantasy draft comments.
1: Yeah, you did, man. I thought it was it was good for content that you did. <laughs> part of it, rightfully
0: so, that I got triggered. But part of it, I, I, you know how shitty I felt when I was fighting people in the Instagram comments? Not just art, like disagreeing with them, being like, hey, why don't you learn how to read, dummy? Yeah. And then someone commented and was like, hey, uh, the graphic says all-time giants fantasy team and you don't like i just like melted right there i was like oh no like the the TikTok. oh no like like that was that was my brain like oh my god this is this is gonna happen for the rest of the day people are gonna think we're idiots and kind of rightfully so but but even then on on twitter it shouldn't happen because in twitter you read the caption every time of a tweet and people were just like no and that's where and that's where i will push back a little bit justin it's like Man, you may think we're dumb, but did you think we were dumb enough to just leave freaking Lawrence Taylor off of our teams? Lawrence Taylor off of our teams, and then some people were saying they were looking at it and being like, you, "We just picked our our best of the best and didn't draft it." Like you, this guy picked Olivier Vernon over Michael Strahan. It's like, come on, man, think, think, think that you know what? Maybe they're not total morons and they did a draft. Like it was, it was very, it was very, very frustrating. And also, Snacks screwed up some of my arguments by taking DJ Fluker, who played nine games for the
1: Giants. So, Snacks screwed us a little bit too. Yeah. And people also really like Snacks' team. Like, it's, were... it's the 07 team.
0: The 07 yeah. team is the most romantic. Like, 11 was Eli at his best.
1: 07 is just, you love every single guy in that people roster. People were saying, saying that Snacks' old line was like better than ours, which was which was kind of crazy. I know I messed up the guards and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean my my approach is number one I feel bad that that cuz I've been in that I've been in that situation where I've just been really frustrated by people. Um but then my my approach is it's the middle of June. If even if we put out something that's like wrong on a graphic but it gets people talking, fine. Fine. Like that's what this time of the year is for. This time of the year, hey, I disagree with this, I disagree with that, what's going on here, what's going on with that. Um, everybody that listens to the show clearly got it. Like what, what we were about and what we were doing. And that's how we weed out the people that listen, the people that don't. Huh? But we want to get the people that don't to listen. That's right.
0: And I was losing my mind. But it was it was fun. By the end, by the end of the day, I was just having fun with it. Like I quote tweeted one guy who said, like, no LT, no banks, and I was just like, fuck you.
1: Um And that's why, uh that's one of the reasons why our our Instagram, we cannot monetize on our on our Instagram. Because I think no, the, it's be- the early days of us no, it's because we it's people.
0: because we did promoted Instagram. We did promotions on Instagram stories, and we didn't we didn't tag it as promotion. Oh. It was the NASCAR thing. Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I thought it was because we harassed people early on our early Instagram days.
0: Nope, it's because we it was because the NASCAR thing.
1: Okay, well that can get fixed. Um, I feel better about that then. <laughs> <laughs> than that if, if our account was flagged for harassment. No. Nope. <laughs> Nope.
0: Let's get into this Duggan interview, but if you haven't already heard, the leaders in Below the Waist Grooming are traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Wow. Plus, they now launched launched the brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. Manscaped now has a brand new nose and ear hair trimmer. Brand new. Not like old, not previously owned. Brand new. Time for you to upgrade your toolbox by going to manscaped.com and using your code GIANTS. For 20% off plus free shipping. The, ki- the, ki- the kit starts with a beard hedger, a waterproof cordless trimmer. Has a rotary wheel. It gives you up to 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. Which by the way is a pain in the ass if you live like that. The Pro Kit also comes with beard shampoo and conditioner. Manscapes beard oil and caps it off with the beard balm. So my bearded friends. Or mustache. I can use it for my mustache. You need this. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with the three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. Also try the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 for full body grooming. So get 20% off and free shipping with our code GIANTS at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You'll be glad you did. And here's Dan Duggan. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we're wrapping up minicamp, OTA. It's been a, a long session. Actually, it's been a shorter session because they canceled a couple practice practices because of smoke, and then they had their barbecue today. Dan Duggan of The Athletic. Duggan, we're getting ready to go on summer break. Do you have any any plans?
2: Yeah, getting the hell away from the Giants and Twitter and all this stuff for like a one-time a year. We're able to kind of unplug, other than the Saquon Barkley thing, looming over everything, which really kind of sucks that that's right in the middle of my summer break. But uh, I'll be on... I'll be on the Cape Uh Massachusetts. Uh I think that's a Monday, so I'll have to check out and actually do a little work that day. But otherwise, I'm I'm planning to uh to step away for these next couple of weeks.
0: Oh, so the the deadline is on a Monday. That's actually, I mean, obviously you just said it suck, but that works perfectly for me and Justin. So all right, we got we got something to record for a Tuesday <laughs> podcast.
1: You're gonna see Dave Guttelman in the in the Cape.
2: It's it's very funny. This I go to the same town every year, and he actually that's where his uh his cape house is yeah uh, i think he's on, like kind of the other other side of town I have, I have not crossed paths that would be that would be a very interesting uh meeting but we have not we have not crossed paths path down there i go every summer but i haven't seen him yet
0: i mean what i'm sure a, you have his number why don't you shoot him a text right now like, what hey. would that interaction be
2: like <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question we didn't have a lot of great interaction when he's on the job i don't know if a few years out would uh would change things um i don't know i i just he's Talk with someone I just had no relationship with. I think it was probably obvious that um, probably just my coverage. It wasn't like we were close or anything like that. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I would be, you know, I would say hi to him and try to be respectful about things. But I have no idea how he might just say, you know, screw everybody from from his time here.
1: I think there might be a pause, a point, and a smile from on, on his end. Like, is that you? That would be, that'd be, that'd yeah. be reasonable. Yeah, yeah that would yeah. be reasonable. I don't That's think exactly we'd sit down it. and,
2: you know, spend a night together uh, no. reminiscing or anything. I would hope
1: you wouldn't spend the night together. That'd be weird. <laughs> uh all right so we're we're finishing
0: up minicamp and otas and, and we don't get to be there we're you know reading the giants.com website and obviously those are gonna you know leave out inform- information um but you guys have been there uh you know there for the mandatory mini camp otas i think once a week what have you come out of it like being surprised about, and it. it doesn't have to be like, this guy's great. Or like personnel wise, like what's something that you went into the OTAs or came out of the OTAs, not uh, knowing that you didn't know going in.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, big for sure I'll give kind of a boring answer. I, there wasn't anything crazy. Um, you know, it's, we kind of knew the, you know, you know, the roster a lot better in year two of this regime. Uh, so it wasn't like, Oh wow, this is happening. You know, kind of guys were kind of we expected. Um, And the thing about this year, uh, because I was looking back at my notes last year, they did a lot of 11-on-11. So it's not like this was like Brian Dable's plan from day one. We're only going to do seven-on-seven. But that is what they did this year. So that was a change. So to me, it's like a little harder to make any sort of like concrete conclusions based on what we saw because it's like literally just a passing camp. Because I think back to last year where, you know, the first time they were exposed to like Wink's exotic pressures, it was kind of a nightmare for the offense. You're not seeing any of that in the spring because like literally there's no blitzing. So I kind of take a lot of the stuff, you know, seeing from the offense with a grain of salt. Because again, I was looking back at what I wrote last year and I said, oh, they're throwing the ball deep and this is like a downfield passing attack. And obviously, you know, that did not come to fruition. Now, I think personnel-wise, you'd expect uh, that to be different this year. But that's why with sort of like big sweeping observations, I I don't have any that I think like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. The things I think will stick out more is just personnel, depth chart-wise. I'll say one guy who stood out. Uh, was Paris Campbell. Like he's kind of like the Richie James of, of last offseason where I mean and he was a higher profile guy than Richie James, don't get me wrong. But like Richie James all last spring was like surprisingly getting reps of the ones and was getting fed the ball a lot. And you're like, all right, it's a spring, whatever. And then sure enough, you know, he leads the team in receptions. And with Paris Campbell, it's like, you know, he was a you know, mid-level free agent signing. Uh, you know, you figure it's a crowded room, but like he was Daniel Jones' most uh, targeted receiver like I keep the stats during these practices not because I think they mean anything but just so uh, just to have them and I and he did have the most catches from Jones and drills which again take that for what it's worth but like you know I think it shows they had a, a chemistry at the bat the fact that they're using him sort of in the Wandale Kadarius Tony role where it's like he's lining up in the backfield he's doing individual drills with running backs at, at the start of those periods so all that stuff tells me like he's going to be a featured part of this offense that we'll see when Wandale comes back how that affects him um, but that definitely jumped out that he's probably going to be a bigger piece tonight than, than I anticipated, and maybe we'll, we'll get into it. But then some of the position battle stuff, you know, with the ones we expected are the ones that seem to be, you know, kind of the most contested right now.
1: Yeah, and like you mentioned, I, I love that you brought up, like, Richie James. Like, okay, Paris Campbell's, you know, maybe even this summer's Richie James. Because I was going to even ask, like, maybe it's Nick McLeod. Um, you know, maybe it's even, like, Colin Johnson. I know what's talked or, you know, a little – Early on, you know, during uh during this spring, I like wanted to know like who is going to be this summer's Richie James, the player that we're not talking about that maybe we should be talking about more that's going to get reps. So, um, Paris Campbell seemed like he made a very strong finish um, to this past spring. So that's so that's great. That's great to hear. Um, you mentioned personnel wise, you know that the yeah the Giants are throwing the ball deep all around the field. You know in spring, it's it's to be expected. But you mentioned just personnel wise how that should be different this year. Darren Waller's name just seemed to be the most talked about name, whether it's through the media, through some questions, and then also just players answering questions as it, as he should be. So general Darren Waller thoughts, um, you know, how he seemed to be as a teammate, as a player, kind of like off the field. And obviously, you know, what he was doing on the field too.
2: Yeah. I mean, the first impression you, I think, I don't know who was with McKinney or slate. I think it was slate and said, like, if you picture a tight end, like that's what they look like. I mean, he really is like an impressive physical specimen. He just, he looks like kind of a basketball player. Um, obviously he's big, he's strong, he's fast. He's all the things we knew. It's not like that was a revelation, but seeing it up close, I mean, it definitely is. He's moving at like a different speed in a different way than, than the other tight ends and even even the other wide receivers in some respects. Um, but yeah, so he he definitely, you know, checked those boxes. I think they really managed his workload this spring. It's not about him going out and, you know, some of those stats, they don't care if he leads the team in receptions in the spring. Obviously, it's all about having him ready for hopefully a 17-game season. Uh, but I think the other stuff you talked about is like, people like lit up when they talked about him like you know players are always gonna be complimentary to their teammates coaches are always gonna be complimentary to players i don't put a ton of stock into it but it felt like it was a little more with him like even when i was talking to guys like i was at saquon's camp the teammates were there and like they were like this guy is like different like he's like a problem like he's like that like he's you can just tell there's a different level of how you talk about your teammates and how you talk about a guy who's like a little different and, and he's at that category um even Andy Bischoff, who was with him in Baltimore was talking about, even when he was going through all that, you know, turbulent times at Baltimore saying he's a great guy then. Cause you would think, Oh, how has he changed? He's like, no, he's always been a great guy. So uh, people like really couldn't speak more highly of him. I've gotten to talk to him a little bit. I like, at Saquon's camp and he's just a very you know, grounded guy. I mean, he's obviously been through so much in his life. So he has you know, kind of a different perspective. Um, so no, I think, I think he's been a great addition on, on and off the field. I mean, obviously from the moment they made that trade, the only question uh, was durability we won't we won't know that answer for a few months. But as far as like first impressions and all that, like, yeah, he, he checked all the boxes and, and people are really, really excited about him in that building.
0: Yeah, he seems like someone who will have some type of media career or like successful career after football. And then, like you mentioned, like there's no like, you watched him last year. And even at the end of the season, when he came back playing for a team that was totally out of it. And he was still looking like a top three tight end, you know. in Those late games versus the Steelers, I think on they had one on like Christmas Day, like and it's just like, oh my gosh, like this guy is different than anything we've seen in a Giants uniform since since Odell, Um, you know, as as a receiver. And the only question is durability, and I think that's why we like that trade so much is because even with his con, I know they restructured some of his contract, but it was such like a low risk, high reward move that is like, it's just exciting to see what that guy can do to their roster like he's he's a player who can come on and every year we talk about the like 2020 to 2021 how's the offense going to change how's the offense but it's like no this this one player can actually change what an offense can do
2: yeah for sure yeah they, i mean they're doing stuff with him like he's like the wide receiver in some stuff you know it's like of three receivers on the left and he's the lone guy on the right like you saw that type of stuff with kelsey does that a lot in kansas city the giants i mean maybe i'm trying to think with Ingram. maybe they did that a little bit but he what like the thing with Ingram was always like he people are like oh they should move to wide receiver, but like he wasn't that dominant of a receiver, that great of a row runner, that that type of thing where you couldn't do. Whereas Waller, I think you can legitimately line him up on cornerbacks and he can win those matchups at times. So I mean, he is just he's just definitely a, a different type of guy.
0: Who do you think is going to be the starting trio of wide receivers? Since we're on the receiving game.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the injury with Wandale and Shepard, you know, makes it a little harder to project. I mean, I, I don't think Shepard would probably be in, the, in that first group anyways. I think it'll be the three guys we saw all spring, which was Paris Campbell, Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins. Um, you know, Wandale is definitely the wild card. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's – you know, that's one of those positions where obviously you're going to rotate guys a lot. So, I think maybe the question is, like, which three wide receivers play the most snaps? And I would say those three. But I'm sure there will be games where Wandale has a big role. And maybe as the season progresses, maybe – um, you know, if he returns to form that he kind of started to show right before he got hurt last year, maybe he you know surpasses Paris Campbell or the you know because they, they're gonna have so many different funky combinations they can throw out there because I mean I think they're gonna still probably play a lot of twelve personnel because um, you're gonna want Bellinger on the field so um, it's like the things coaches always talk about being like matchup based and week to week like I think they actually have the personnel to do that this year which I think a lot of times coaches say that and it's harder to actually execute because you still want to get your best players on the field I think they actually can do that this year where. Um, some weeks Ballinger might play, you know, 80% of the snaps. Some weeks it might be 20. And then same with the wide receivers. they are going to be probably different timeshares there.
0: We saw Shepard running routes yesterday, videos of that. And he's simultaneously the most injury prone and fastest healer <laughs> in the NFL. When he signed his contract, vet minimum, no risk. Like, so it's like, okay, fine. But my question since then has been, what is the plan for Shepard? Because Shepard's not a wide receiver six, you know, mm-hmm. and, I hate I hate to always throw this in there, but it's like injury a lot of times answers these questions. But they're not going into the season preparing like you know, like like, hey, we're gonna be injured at wide receiver. What like what is the plan for at wide receiver if they're lucky enough to go in healthy with their six top guys?
2: Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's it's kind of one of the hardest things to figure out, and it's, it made the springs you you didn't really get any clarity on it because obviously him and Wandale were off to the side. But like you said, Shepard was running and, and seeing him run on Wednesday run routes he looks like a guy who's going to be ready to start a camp. Like, I think that's sort of his goal. Uh, There was maybe some talk we had, like, you know, in the offseason, like maybe they can stash him on pop and that'll work out well because someone else probably will get hurt in the first four weeks and then you have him ready to go. I don't. I mean, I don't see how that would be possible unless he's totally on board with just sitting out all of camp and the beginning of the season. Like, he looks like he's going to be healthy enough, so I don't think they'll actually be able to do that. And I I think that as much as the injuries have been frustrating, like, he's still a really good receiver. Even you think the last year he only played with, like, two and a half games. I, I, he have to have been the leading receiver in those two and a half games just based on. Oh, the yeah. He was a, He knowledge. was going to have a
0: good year. Like, he was going to have yeah, a really good year. But,
2: yeah, I mean, I think I write it every camp. Probably won't do it this year where it's like Sterling Shepard is, is going to have a great year because it's just, it's really been uh, you know tough to get out of the starting blocks with him with the injuries. But no, I mean, he's one of the six best receivers on this team, you know, hands down. Uh, so I, I don't see any way he's not on the roster. Again, if you're assuming health, I mean, the three guys I mentioned, Wandale, Shepard, Jalen Hyatt, that feels like your six wide receivers. Now, the problem there, you might say, well, None of those guys have any special teams value. Well, that's when you just carry an extra, you know, linebacker or Gary Brightwell makes the roster where you might not think he would. Stuff like that. I mean, I don't think they're going to squeeze Shepard off, off the roster because they want Jeff Smith to, you know, be a gunner on four punts a game. So um, that's how I think it'll shake. I mean, maybe they keep seven and that opens a door for someone like Colin Johnson or whatnot, but I mean, Shepard to me, he is one of the best receivers on this team. Obviously the caveat is if healthy, but again, if you're assuming he is going to be healthy going into the year, I I think he, I think he makes the team.
1: Yeah. It's going to be fascinating how they kind of, Work and navigate that, you know, because even saying, well, you know, carrying Gary Brightwell on the team, well, they drafted Eric Gray and that's four running backs. And then that's even, you know, taking a, you know, taking a, taking a roster spot away from away from somebody. So it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. Speaking of running back, how do you like that radio transition? We're sticking with the radio transitions. (laughs) Um, I know we're talking, we've been talking about it for so long. I know we are kind of getting tired talking about it, uh, but we'll have some fun after this question. Uh, Saquon Barkley uh, and the deadline and July seventeenth. Um, it just feels like it's headed towards the tag. I mean, he he talked about respect and he talked about how the Giants being loyal to him is basically the reason why he deserves a contract extension. Which in the in the business of this being a legit business is an interesting route to go about that I at least have some you know unique opinions on, but. Um, do, who who cracks like who cracks at the deadline is Saquon Barkley going to crack at that deadline just sign the tag play on the 10 million or are the Giants gonna cave and you know give him that contract extension because they want to do right by him
2: yeah so my stance on this has always been uh, guardedly optimistic that they will get a deal done and so if that happens I think you'd have to say it's the Giants that will cave um, but I don't think it's a it's a terrible caving in the sense that they made offers to him, at least the average per year. And I'm sure you've talked about it plenty. And um, we don't know the guarantees in those offers. Right. So they, let's just assume they make those guarantees legitimate, like you know, the number we've all thrown around, the $22 million guaranteed, which would be uh, the equivalent of getting tagged for two straight years. You know, We don't know what the off- the guarantees were in the previous offers. Saquon you know, kind of said, read between the lines. He could help us out by clarifying that. Um, but I think it's safe to assume that, at least he doesn't view them as very strong guarantees. But I, so I think if you're the team and you're willing to pay him, let's just say 12 and a half, $13 million a year, but you were trying to lowball the guarantees. Let's just say that's the issue. Cause no one's really been able to dig down and find out exactly what the issue is. I think they can probably come up on the guarantees. Cause to me, it's One thing they were just going to walk away from him, they were like like in March, so like, we're not going to pay running back. Like, I think people like act like that's Joe Shane has that opinion. No, Joe Shane was trying to pay this guy at least per year a, a lot of money, so it's not like he's like adverse to paying him. So I just think if it comes down to you're getting July and, and both sides are dug in, um, do they really want to go through this thing where now Saquon has set his peace? He is upset. I um, mean, he dangled and not playing the season. I think there's no chance of that. But I don't think he's reporting on July 25th if he's on the tag. You know what I mean? So do you want to go through six weeks of questions until he shows up on September 1st? Like, Brian Table doesn't seem to uh, enjoy that line of questioning. So, again, if if they're willing to commit to him and it's just a matter of, like, upping the guarantees, like, to me, I think that they get that done. Like, it doesn't feel like this is something that they're worlds apart on. Uh, I mean, the Giants have all the leverage, though. So it's really a question is, like, if you're Joe Shane, yes, you have all that leverage. Do you need to exert all that leverage Like, you need to win this negotiation. Like, does the extra $5 million guarantee, whatever it may be, is that worth kind of what the fallout could be of having a disgruntled team captain guy who, I talked about how players look at Darren Waller, they look at Saquon the same way. Like, everybody in that locker room wants Saquon to get paid. They think he's earned it. So I think GMs have to, you know, kind of weigh that too. So again, it's hard to really dig in because none of us have been able to, like, get the official guarantee figure to know exactly how far apart they are. Um, but, I mean, if they come back with a legitimate offer, let's say it's 22-plus guaranteed and it's about $13 million a year, and Saquon declines it, well, then he's a fool. <laughs> but I think that if they come to that point in July, uh, he would have to accept it. How let
1: frustrating some- is that for, for – I'm sorry, Bobby. How, how frustrating is that that you can't – or nobody can really get that number, like that guaranteed kind of yeah. per year? Well, let me throw you some no, fan fiction that for- has to do with that. I exactly. think I don't, are we
0: sure that that guaranteed number is bad because it hasn't leaked out. Right. And we look at this and be like $13 million a year with decent guaranteed money. Of course, Saquon would take that. But Saquon has said, I'm not trying to reset the market. And everyone takes that line. Getting what Christian McCaffrey got is not resetting the market. It's just getting what the top guy get. And Saquon Barkley feels like he is right there with them, And honestly, deservedly so. Like, he can, you know, injuries are a part of the conversation, but when he's healthy, he is top of the league, and and should and think, you know, should believe he deserves that, and his agency should should believe that too. So, are we sure that the guaranteed number is not leaking out because Saquon's such a good guy, or is the guaranteed number just not bad? It's just the actual average annual value is what the hang up is, and Saquon's like, I'm not taking less than sixteen mil, and if I am, I'm sure as hell not doing it be- until the day of the uh, of the tag deadline.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's like to, the justice side. use the word it is frustrating. Cause obviously I want to get the information. Like I want to be the one to break it, but I'll settle for someone else getting it just so I can analyze the situation more clearly. You know, like one of these national guys, I don't care who it is. Like I want someone to just get that information. So then we can at least react with the full picture uh, to your point. I think definitely, uh, I wrote this this week. Like there's, there's some, uh, you use the fan fiction or like people have kind of rallied over some talking points I think are, are just off, off base. Like, it's fun to kill him and his agent for turning down these offers again. We don't know the guarantees. He made the right call to turn down the in-season offer. And we know that definitively because they upped their offer after the season. So he obviously would have left money on the table if he accepted that offer. At that point, he had gone through a half season of risky injury. He was playing like a top running back in the league. So he, it was a smart decision, especially if the guarantees weren't strong, to turn that one down. Now, obviously, when you get to March, he's six minutes away from hitting the open market. So he, maybe he played chicken there and said, hey, I don't think they're going to get Daniel Jones done. I'm going to have 32 teams bidding on me. Maybe I come back to the Giants, but I'm going to have a huge ass offer from some other team they're going to compete with. And obviously he lost that gamble if that's indeed what it was. But so like if he wanted 16 million, he thought he could get that from the Bears or the Dolphins or whoever on the open market. Well, now he has to understand that that's just out the window. And and he said many times on Sunday that like they have all the leverage. Like, you know, it's kind of like it sucks, but he acknowledges that reality. He's not oblivious to that. So if he thinks he's going to get sixty million dollars a year, he has to know that that ship has sailed. And the thing that really crushes him is obviously he can get tagged again next year. So then you're getting twenty-two million dollars over the next two years. Now you're talking eleven million a year. So if their offer is for more than that, and the guarantees are legitimate, I don't see how he could turn it down. So again, maybe, yeah, maybe if, if he's being if he was down reasonable in March, I can understand it. But I think when we come down to the deadline, it's it's just basic arithmetic here. You know, like twenty-two million over two years is is obviously not as much as if you're going to get a three-year deal that's for 13 a year, cause you're not, not going to cut him after this year anyways. So I, I think that's what we, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think that it's, at this point he'd have to lower his expectation, even if that's what the case. Um, but yeah. And, and again, like the guarantee money, I think it's crazy that if it is low, they haven't leaked it. You talk to people close to him. It's like, he really does believe in this good guy thing. And like, he doesn't want to, um, kind of play dirty, and that's why I think you heard he was so upset about the leak things that he felt made him look greedy. And I think the the line he used a couple of times is like "family business is you know family business." And you heard Brandon Brown say that. Yeah, I don't know this for a fact. I wouldn't be shocked if when they had some of these talks, like, "Hey, li-, like maybe Joe Shane said this to him." Again, I'm I'm speculating. Like, "Hey, family business, family business. We keep this all in house. Let's not let's get ugly." So then, if you're Saquon, I can see why you'd be outraged when there's there are leaks. Because I mean, as he said, they're not coming from me, and I believe him. He's not he's not putting leaks out to make himself look bad. But I think it's been a real big PR swing and a miss to not put out if there is something negative about the offers, like the good guy role. It's, it's he kind of already lost that battle, so now the at least have to try and swing public opinion. But if if, if indeed the guarantees are low, he's dug in on not not kind of playing that game. And again, I think it's a mistake. But I mean, he obviously wants to live with the consequences.
0: What's crazy is I don't think anyone would think he's a bad guy for having leaking that. Uh, it's like the most basic. No,
2: that's what your, that's what your agent is. That's their job. You know, it just shows up, you know, rap sheet tweets out. Well, here's the hangup. And not, yeah, I don't think you look bad at all. And I think he does look bad now. Cause I would say 75% of the Giants population is like, what an idiot. He turned down $13 million a year, turned down $14 million a year. And without knowing the full context of those numbers, it's kind of tough to put that toothpaste back in the tube and i think he's you know kind of lost that window he should have done it months ago again assuming the guarantee is low and it's not your point where he's just like being totally unreasonable and thinks that the Giants should still give him 60 million dollars a year which that definitely won't happen
0: yeah I'm, I'm ready for it to be over so at least at least it's kind of like <laughs> all right july 17th is if it happens it'll happen july 17th if it doesn't happen it'll happen yeah. july 17th
2: yeah, it's not like one of these holdouts where he has nothing to gain. After July 17th, even if they wanted a total change of heart, they can't. They, that's the deadline. They can't give him a five-year deal on September 1st, which you see sometimes <laughs> happen. So if he's holding on after that, it's really just kind of to to show his displeasure.
0: Yeah, it's just we know, okay, he's not going to be at training camp. He will show up week one. There's no way this guy's passing up millions of dollars in missing games. Especially if right. he's not even willing to leak out guaranteed money. He's not missing games. <laughs> right, right, days. right. Um. Nick McLeod, he's been a surprising name now. Pinnock and Belton, who were two guys who you'd think have been, have been on the sideline. Do you think he's actually battling for that starting job? Or is it just like, hey, Penock and Belton are on the sideline, Owens is a rookie, McCain is new type thing?
2: No, I, I do. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I kind of touched on the position battles, and I think that's the one that's the most wide open because I think there are four legitimate contenders for that spot next to McKinney. Uh, you know, McCain, he had a hell of a day the other day. He had a, a picked off Jones. He had a pick six on Tyra Taylor. He had a broken up pass. Like, so, you know, he's he's shown something. It's, it's minicamp practices. Uh, but obviously, Belton and Pinnock. Pinnock's the guy I would have as the favorite just based on the fact that when – kind of push game to shove. They went to him last year uh when McKinney was out. But yeah, he's he's been on the side, but he was doing he was doing a good amount. Um so he, I think he'll be totally ready for the, the summer. They've been pretty cautious with offseason injuries in, the, in this regime. Uh Belton went on a podcast and said that he had um collarbone another surgery and he dealt with that all the second half of the year. He even had shoulder surgery. So he had two surgeries um but talking to him at Saquon's camp he said he'll be ready for camp. Um so I think it's a really interesting battle but McLeod is the guy that I kind of kick myself for sleeping on it because they clearly liked him last year. Like they found ways to get him on the field, whether it was like sometimes he would be the big nickel, like, in, you know, playing in the slot against teams that use bigger wide receivers. He obviously played outside it mixed in there. I think even in that Philly game, the end of the year, he did get a few snaps at safety. So seeing how they used him this spring was very reminiscent of how they used Julian love last year. Now I don't know that he's going to win that job and play every snap at safety the way Julian love did. But the way he moves around, that's what me of Love. So even to say Pinnock wins the job, like when they're in nickel and dime, I would not be surprised to see McLeod on the field a lot. Like he was playing down in the box, again, seven on seven, but just, you know, they're you're positioning guys because they want to get a look at him in those spots. And so maybe he's a guy they use a lot in blitzes. And, you know, you remember Love was like a pseudo a inside linebacker at times last year. I think you can see McLeod fill that role. And I kind of like that because it's like you had sort of Tony Jefferson and Landon Collins and that sub linebacker role, but McLeod gives you a little more coverage. Uh, so I know I think he's a guy that definitely you know I, said, I mentioned Paris Campbell off the top, but another guy who like personnel wise and usage wise like okay like that's someone that I, I kind of underestimated coming into the spring, and I, I think he is going to have a big role. Whether he starts, I don't know. I mean I think that that that'll be a fun battle. That'll that'll be the number one battle I think in terms of having no clue who's going to win. Whereas I think yeah I think Schmitz is going to win center. Uh, I th- I think Beavers ends up winning the inside linebacker job. Really. And- I, I do. I mean, I don't know. It's just like Jared Davis. I feel like the upside is, is pretty limited. And, and I mean, I know they've, they've loved Beavers, um, you know, going back to last summer. So I think, you know, he, I mean, he's healthy. He was, he was doing some stuff like he was on the side, but he was, you know, involved in walkthroughs and stuff. Um, I think, I think he'll win that, but that's definitely up for grabs. I'm trying to think, is there any other pressing position battles? I mean, so then center, If Schmitz wins that, I would think Bredesen's probably the favorite of left guard because Azudu played left guard when Bredesen was at the center. Um, Oh, and the slot corner. That's the other one.
0: Let me – I want to ask you this. This is not like asking for analysts. This is me asking you for a favor. Azudu was drafted high third-round pick last year. John Michael Schmitz is going to be their starting center, most likely. Ben Bredesen performed as their second-best offensive lineman last year next to Andrew Thomas. Um, obviously not a high bar on last year's line. Hmm. Can you guys press the fuck out of them if they're playing Mark Lewinsky over Josh Azudu or Ben Bredesen? Because I know that's going to drive me nuts. If Mark Lewinsky starts the season out like he did last year.
2: Sure, we'll we'll make that deal. Yeah, it's fun to always have like one one pressure point on the old line. Like a couple of years ago, it's like how can I keep playing solder? And, I, and I it was no, like, it Dude. was
0: insane. It was insane that they would continue to play solder. I will never get over that. Like, and it's not some ringing endorsement of Matt Pair. It's just like it was insane that they continue to play solder.
2: It was great. I mean, that season was obviously a debacle. But like the tweets, we get the most engagement on game day when I would just tweet out the five starting yeah. offensive awards? Oh up yeah, up we people. were waiting. For lose it. their mind every week. So <laughs> maybe that becomes the, the thing with Golinski this year. But no, I mean, I think I think Azudu and Bredesen will have a competition there. Maybe they do the rotation again because um, I think they still are high in Azudu. But I think Bredesen's probably earned a spot. And then yeah, why not just move one of them to right guard? We didn't see very much of that at all in the spring. But you know, it's offensive line play without pads. So I think maybe the summer. I'd be surprised if they don't start Klinsky, but maybe someone in the summer you know, kind of forces their hand there and, and changes their mind.
0: Well, even with Feliciano last year, it was like Nick – you saw how the league valued those two. Nick Gates got like four or yeah. five times the amount of money, and they rotated the two better players in Gates and Bredesen over, over Feliciano. And I lose my mind over that, and people are like, well, they're not that good. But it's like that type of shit matters. Like It can make the difference in two plays in a game. So if, if – I can already see it. Like my thing – even for winning games, if Gawinski's bad to start the season like it was last year, I'm going to lose my mind that one of Azudu or or Bradison will be on the bench. Um, we'll finish off with this. Did you have any hope that Mike Grobe would show like even one percent enthusiasm for your uh, position coach interviews this off season?
2: <laughs> he's tough, man. He's he's tough. He has uh, a yeah, he's not super interested in doing those, and and it's like I don't usually go to him a lot because Bobby Johnson is great. You know, pretty interesting. Andy Bischoff's a super nice guy. He'll he'll actually have much bigger uh, crowds this year because his position is a lot more interesting um, with Waller, and then the new running back coach. like a nice guy, but the problem with Gro is he he coaches a juicy position. Like obviously last year, there's a ton of questions about like Cadenarius Tony and Kenny Galladay. Now this year, with the groom he has with Hyatt, but yeah, he. Uh, I wouldn't say he's the most enthusiastic about doing those. It's uh, not even, those maybe sessions. not even
0: enthusiasm. He's just angry. It's like, he's like angry. Yeah, like personally it, offended an by the questions that you guys ask him. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I'm
2: like, I was like stumbling on my, way. I don't know if they made it on the YouTube. I was like stumbling on my words. I was like nervous. I don't get that way with anybody, but it's like, he's looking at you like, man, I hate everything you're about to say. So I'm like, <laughs> practicing like oh, I know you won't like this question, but it's like ridiculous. But I kind of got kind of got caught in the glare yesterday and stumbled.
0: Who is your favorite position coach to talk to outside of Jerome Henderson?
2: Ah, because he's going. Andre Patterson is great. He is. He's kind of got that old school, like, and he's very secure. So he's he's willing to say some stuff. Um, kind of good anecdotes. Like, obviously, very good at what he does. So, but he says stuff that's just kind of interesting. You don't always think about. I think I saw you guys actually latched onto it where he talked about how they he does a cut up of every defensive lineman's good run film, bad run film, good pass rush film, bad pass rush film. And then they sit in the room in the spring and just watch one guy's that day. So like like whatever day it was, I think Dex spoke. That's what you, you saw it. I think, you know, they watched Leo's like good rush film, and so they're breaking it down and he's talking about how it benefits Leo because obviously he's seeing. Oh, this is what I need to do better. But then all the other guys can learn from it. And like so, he just drops stuff like that that's that's interesting and you learn. Um, so yeah, he's he's really good. I mean, he's he's um, he's strong. I mean, Drew Wilkins is good. They I mean they have a pretty good um kind of crew of assistant coaches as far as providing some insight being good talkers like you said Jerome Henderson he's great uh, but I think Patterson actually might be better because he gives a little Jerome will kind of only toe the line as far as sort of giving stuff away where I think Patterson is a little less filter and he'll just kind of tell you how it is which, which I appreciate
0: yeah it's kind of like a like you know I watch them all on on YouTube and it's like they're all they're all pretty pretty enjoyable except for Micro, which again like you said it's like I want to hear like there's actual stuff to be learned from Mike Rowe and he doesn't give you anything um but it is what it is Justin do you, do you have anything else
1: yeah I got one more it's not necessarily a sexy question to really end off on but uh Brandon Brown spoke in front of the in front of the media too and I know you and Research Rick um you know we call him Research Rick uh, NYG <laughs> fan in Charlotte online yeah. um you know you you two really kind of like analyze like the front office stuff and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. And Brandon Brown went into like the process of like Mark Marquise Pendleton, who was an area scout pointed Mm -hmm. out uh, Deontay banks a while back, uh, Pendleton was, was promoted to a, to a pro scout, um, like, you know, after this draft. So, you know, he's talking about the collaboration as like, Giants fans uh, and at least me, you know, who cares about the everyday business of it. It's awesome. And it's cool. Like seeing the collaboration that takes place in the building, how they're building up the front office. So I want to get some of your, some of your thoughts on that. And, you know, maybe even just how far like this, this organization, this front office has, has gone as the, as the years you have gone on that you've been covering the team.
2: Yeah, no, it's funny. Cause I tweeted out Brandon Brown, he had that really comprehensive answer on, like the scouting report of Deontay Banks, how they how they kind of discovered him, how they worked through him, how everyone saw him, and just boom, 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 and like every step along the process, and it was really insightful. I tweeted out, obviously, a lot of Giants fans ate it up, but I think it must have been a fan from another team's like, oh, bro, every every team does the same process, and I'm like, well, I don't oh, really? know that you would have got that that type of answer, you know, the previous regime, and I don't even know really with Jerry Reese, I didn't cover him as much during the draft because he was he was out pretty early in my tenure. Um, but no, so it, it was definitely a stark difference from the answers you would get on process from, you know, the, the Dave Gettleman days. Um, no, I and mean, first of all, Brandon Brown was like really impressive. Cause we spoke the only other time we spoke to him, uh, in an interview setting was last, like August during camp. And you could tell he was a little nervous. It was probably the first time he'd really done it. He hasn't been on the job that long, probably, you know, uh, worried about probably saying the wrong thing. And you could see. He was at the podium this time, and he was very much more of a presence. He struck you more as like, oh, this guy is going to be a future GM, whereas last year, like, oh, this guy seems a little young, a little green. Um, but I think a year on the job certainly helped. And uh, maybe it's sort of like, you know, his agents in his ear, like, hey, it's, it's time to start auditioning because obviously there wasn't as many GM openings this year, but he didn't get any interviews. So it's like you need to uh, really sell yourself. He does love a lot of like the kind of – it almost feels like corporate jargon. Like he throws a lot of those like those those words and, and um, just kind of like buzzwords – um, he threw out the family that.
1: business line too, which I thought you mentioned that oh, earlier. Yeah.
2: yeah, he did. But he has a lot of stuff that like, I you'd here in like in corporate America, which like, I'm not even familiar with, but it's just some of the, the terms he uses of a process and stuff like that. But I did think he provided some insight. Um, and I thought that Banks answer was really tremendous because it just really took you inside the process in terms of every step that goes into it. And uh, it makes you wonder how they, like, how teams mess up picks because there are so many hands involved and so many people... Um, that have a have a hand in the process, but then to your your greater question about uh, the front office, I mean, obviously, it's a it's a deep front office when you just look at guys' resumes. Like getting Ryan Cowden, who you know has been a hot GM candidate, and he has the what's the Dwight True title? He has there like a, a you know, special advisor <laughs> to the remember. GM. <laughs> and so I don't know exactly what that role entailed, but again, it's it's a guy who's certainly. Um, you know, been around. He was he was like director of player personnel, or he might even have a bigger title than that in Tennessee. So he certainly um, kind of knows knows how the, the sausage is made and was in Tennessee, which you know was been a good organization for most of his time there. So uh, just kind of adding people like that. Um, you know, you think as long as there's not too many cooks in the kitchen, it's only beneficial. I mean, Dennis Hickey, who is a guy who you know, I don't think externally gets a lot of attention, but like Joe Shane can't go oppressor without mentioning him. He's kind of his right hand man. That's a former GM, and he's kind of in a assistant director of player personnel like not a huge title so like they have a, a really deep roster there and I think when you hear them speak you it just instills some confidence like with, with Gettleman it was all kind of folksy and like you know you didn't really get to understand the process so listen they might miss on every draft pick. I have no idea you know obviously the last the jury's still kind of out on last year's class obviously, you know nothing about this year's but just hearing them there's like oh there's an intelligent plan and and how they you know arrive on these these decisions makes sense and, and I think that's that's at least a a big first step. And then obviously you see how good they are as evaluators, but there's definitely um, a lot of competence and you you just kind of, you feel good. I'm sure if you're a Giants fan listening to the way Brandon Brown talks about how they do things.
0: Yeah. That's where I was like, I am excited about this regime, but I also like warn Giants fans. It's like, yeah, I know the last four years of Gelman, like you didn't hear shit like this, but that's kind of what I love about football is like, you can have all the right process can you evaluate a player from Southern miss and, and see if he's worthy of, like, that's really what it comes down to is like, how well do you do in the draft with the process? Cause there's a lot, of, like most teams don't have a Dave Gettleman type, right? Like they're all mostly <laughs> and not in, and, and even then, like as much as we joke on Dave Gettleman, like he's not a total moron. Um, yeah, they got some good, they
2: drafted some good players. No, it's doubt.
0: like, yeah, they I mean, they're, they're smart to get to this level. You have to have some level of, uh being a smart human being. Um, and it's like, at the end of the day, it's just, can you draft good players? And that's where we, that's the yet to be seen for uh, this regime. And, uh, but they got the coaching staff, right. And, and we like what we've seen out of them. Um, Duggan, appreciate you coming on. Uh, next time we'll see you, we'll be in the van
2: uh, at training <laughs> wow.
0: camp. I'm already booking you for that. Um, there's right. there's There's no way, no way out of it at this point. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see you then.
2: Yeah, I got to stop my Tony Award campaign. You know, people have to remember I'm back on the ballot this year, right? Are you scrapping it? Uh oh. I don't know.
0: Is it it's kind of seems like here. All right, here's the issue. And you're not going to like this. I don't want it just to alternate between you and our deputy. I'll no, say I'm fine
2: with that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you are. <laughs> right. So maybe we'll I mean, just yeah. keep it.
0: But just not talk yeah. about it as much because last year we talked every time we had a reporter on we talked about it so maybe it's just this year it's like we'll just quietly do it. Can we just continue to okay. give out gift cards?
1: I mean, I'm I'm all right with that.
0: Yeah, so we'll we'll see, but it will be the always oh, like people will, like change the name like no, it, we will be 70 yeah. years old Perfect. and it'll be the Kadarius Tony. We, you'll be getting a the reporters won't even know who Kadarius Tony is, and so we will <laughs> be giving them a trophy with Kadarius Tony's face on it. Um, all right, Duggan, appreciate you. Go uh, check out The Athletic, and uh, we'll we'll see you in the van. All right,
2: sounds good. Thanks, guys.
1: Hey, Shuno, you better hope I never get back in I will kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. All right, thank you to Dan Duggan from The Athletic. Nice little conversation. I really like the Darren Waller piece. We're going to make a social media clip out of that. Boom, this show. It's sponsored by BetterHelp. Before we get out, before we get out of here, got to talk about BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and we're changing, like the Giants' offense. Boom. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. Therapy is all about deepening your self awareness and understanding. If you're giving, if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. I seriously think there are two things in my life that. I think I need to give BetterHelp a try for. Number one, my mood is severely, unhealthily impacted by how I do in my bowling league. The last two weeks, I feel like I haven't been in the best of mood. Tuesday, I have a good night of bowling. I'm I'm as new as a flower that has sprung in spring. I am in a great mood. I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm in a much better mood now. So that's not healthy. And then the second thing is, is I hate the offseason because when we're not doing things and when we're not putting out tweets and when we're not putting out more videos, like I feel like I'm a failure. So I need to work on those things, and BetterHelp is going to help me with that. And it's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Giants today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Talking giants. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did, and I'll be glad I did too.
0: Breaking news. Don't do this to me. I mean, this
1: is real breaking news. This isn't fake, but it's not like don't do this to me. You wrote down I saw you before we recorded, wrote write down a reminder of something that you wanted to say at the end of the show. Well, that's
0: we're doing way too early draft week next week. This feels very planned.
1: Oh, I thought you were gonna like try to trick me again.
0: No, but so we're going to do way too early draft week next week with Grump, so I'm okay. excited for that. Um, Craig Carton is leaving the uh, leaving the fan. He's, he's taking that Fox Sports thing.
1: Yeah, I thought that was known.
0: It was known that it was a possibility, but now it's official.
1: I think he's got to – I mean, this is not me being a jerk to Craig, but I think he's got to do it. Doesn't he have to still pay off like debts?
0: Ye- I think legally – I shouldn't be sharing this. I think legally he's not um, – like allowed to turn down a bigger contract basically yeah. um yeah. i think i know who's going to take a spot i'm in days too so i'm excited i'm excited for that
1: wait we have to we have to talk about that i'm well, actually we can't very talk about it on.
0: we can't talk about it on record i know that's why when we're, we're going to hang
1: up and i'm going to ask you about it but what if that person listens to this and told me not to tell anybody no we're going to hang up you. i'm going to end recording and then we're going to i'm going to ask you about it off air I'm not gonna answer because I, I it's in confidentiality. And, and it's
0: not even a sure thing either. It's just there's been some hints at it. Um so I'll be excited to see snacks on the middays yeah. with uh <laughs> with Evan Roberts. Can you imagine? It wouldn't be bad, honestly. I like that's he where be he belongs.
1: Um and he, in WFA, you can you can get away with uh with the word you know they they I think they openly say bitch on there. Yeah, you can say bitch on the radio. Ass, and they, they don't say it on ES, in ESPN. They don't. I mean, Michael K, Don McGrew, or Peter Rosenberg—classy individuals. Um, right, so, at
0: WFAN. So, uh, as we finish up minicamp, here's something for the Giants players: don't get arrested. Oh, you know, people asked us who like. Uh, we got the question like, who could best chance be arrested? I actually have an answer. Sure. Tommy DeVito, the mob. That also, someone sent me a DM about Tommy DeVito, and listen, no, no truth to it, but it was like some, like this guy's a scumbag, um, but it's probably right. just some fake. Um, but I don't Tommy DeVito's, it. I don't believe it either. I'm just joking, and I, I just made that up. Oh, why did you make that up? Source, I made it up. Um, why are you we'll
1: slandering see. Tommy DeVito's character?
0: No, I just I'm just giving the people what they want. They want to know. Um and Homer Jones passed away. He was 82. I didn't know this. Homer Jones created uh the uh the spike? Homer... Yeah, I didn't know that. Now that I did like... know we actually used cause so now we're in our summer countdown to the New York Giants football. Which, by the way, my countdown app messed with me. That I, I um, you
1: missed ninety three, and you had a great opportunity to post Jay Alford, and you didn't. No, I put, I posted Chase
0: Blackburn for ninety three, but I mm-hmm. was one day I was one day early because my countdown app, like I didn't put two and two together and say like ninety one days and six hours, and that's ninety two days. Um, so some other account I guess also does countdowns was like you stick to podcasts, um, I'll do the countdown, which was he that, was right. He was right, was and big blue. United? I don't know. Who it was. No, if it was Big Blue and I, would have went off. So he was right that we were wrong in the days, but it also bothered me. It's like, we've been doing the countdown since 2019. Like and also, we start, it's, not,
1: it's not a unique thing.
0: We started the countdown. Um, but he was right, so I couldn't complain. Um, Homer Jones. But we use Homer, like, the the longest touchdown in, in New York Giants history is the Victor Cruz 99-yarder, which, by the way, was the last 99-yard touchdown in NFL history. Um, The second longest, Homer Jones had a 19... Uh, a 98 uh yard touchdown in 1968 so um obviously old so it wasn't like some huge tragedy but uh it's always want to mention when uh someone part of the Giants, uh, once a giant always a giant um go! So, so shout out homer jones a name i will i'll always remember all right justin anything else before we come back next week for way too early draft week
1: no excited to see my friend the football grump
0: yeah very excited i'm actually gonna start getting into some of those but play- we're going wide receiver heavy i think we're going five wide receivers two interior offensive linemen a tackle and a tight end all right so we'll see you guys then until then let's go big blue